0: You're listening to the Housing Innovation Alliance podcast in partnership with the University of Denver's Franklin L. Burns School of Real Estate and Construction Management. The Housing Innovation Alliance is a nationwide community of game changers, driving the future of home delivery through crowd-accelerated innovation. We represent thought leaders from dirt to Dwellers, with a focus on the production builder's business environment.
1: Hi, this is Dennis Steigerwald, president of the Housing Innovation Alliance, and this is our podcast series. I'm joined today with Mitch Rada from Tricor Contracting. How are you doing, Mitch? Good. Good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks for joining us. So, Mitch, you've been involved in the Housing Innovation Alliance for a good amount of time now. We've seen your uh, activities on the on the build to rent space, and and I know this is a hot new uh, asset class that everybody wants to know more about. But before we get into that, I want to welcome you to our, our show and to meet the audience, but by doing that, I want to really learn about your career in the construction industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I've, I mean, I've been in uh, construction, man, since I was in high school, just working as um, we had like a building trades program. We went out for a couple periods and, and built a house from scratch. And um, that kind of led me into uh, uh, majoring in construction management from uh, Michigan State. And that path kind of led me into more of a commercial realm for, for about five, six years. So I worked for Hensel Phelps, uh, kind of one of the largest general contractors in the country and was on some major projects. So we've we renovated large terminals at LAX, you know, $450, $500 million jobs. I uh, lived in Hawaii for about a year and a half working uh, on a project with the Navy. We built a missile defense system there. So kind of these like super complex and, and large, massive scale but I always had a kind of draw to residential construction and, uh, and homes have just always been of interest to me. So I actually moved to Arizona um, with my brother who lives here and and he's uh, in the same field. And we kind of got into the custom home building game for, for about two years and we're working on, you know, massive projects inside of that, you know, custom homes that are 40,000, 50,000 square feet, you know, for some kind of the the elite in the world. And uh, you know, it, it just kept saying like, how efficient is this? This is home building, but it's almost like another commercial job, right? Where it's like, <laughs> you don't get the touch and feel of, of real production of real home building and development and, and what all that looks like. And so through uh, mutual friends, I, uh, I kind of stumbled across Tricor, one of the co-founders is uh, uh, one of our mutual friends was, was super close to both of us and uh, kind of made the introduction. You know, they were up to something cool. It was brand new, right? I mean, single family rentals in 2015, 2016 were still to a lot of people kind of a short term play in terms of an investment strategy. And as that was starting to evolve and really become institutionalized, and the idea of like, oh my gosh, this is actually a whole new asset class, the light bulb went off and it's like, you can start from scratch and build this into whatever you kind of want it to be. Uh, And the idea of build to rent inside of that strategy you know, really made it attractive to, to jump on board and kind of take this thing from an idea into reality here over the last almost four years.
1: Very cool. So you were you were at the early stages of Tricor exploring this as a new construction opportunity, um, you know, piloted it through a consulting firm that you had set up and, and kind of partnered with them on. So very entrepreneurial there. So obviously huge upside, as you said, you've uncovered. Yeah. What else about this space excites you? When you look at home building,
0: you know, one of the number one things, and this has been in the conversations with a lot of kind of the the home building leaders that I've spoken with over the years. You know, you look at Lennar or D.R. Horton, who's 40,000 plus houses a year, that's 40,000 plus customers that you're working with on a daily basis. And it just makes it incredibly fragmented and, uh, and difficult. And you actually become like more of a marketing machine than you do a builder because you're trying to attract people to your houses in a development where there's six other builders doing the exact same thing. (laughs) So in this scenario, we say, okay, we approach it from way more of a production line, you know, and what production home building used to be. And it was kind of saying, hey, what we want to offer in this space is obtainable housing. It's not about the bells and whistles. It's not about trying to upsell you on, you know, what flooring you want or countertops you want. It's about truly putting a product out there that caters to a segment that's been looked past for quite some time. And that's kind of the, that's middle America, right? It's, it's, uh, those people that are in an apartment because they can't afford a house because the bells and whistles are too expensive, but they need the space. They want to grow their family. They want to kind of live that American dream. And What we're kind of saying now is, well, if you can't buy it, at least you can rent it and experience it um, and get all the benefits of it without the financial obligations that come along
1: with it. So creating a more accessible, better lifestyle, right? And that message of attainability is very much in line with what we're looking at. And you hinted at something there where you've you've worked on these very complex kind of commercial projects prior to getting into home building. But in many ways, you know, if you look at these purpose-built communities, right? I mean, this is just a large scale. It's a commercial project, right? You're trying to you deliver it as fast as you can all at once. You know, you're not looking at the same absorption rates of three, four homes a month. It's beds and heads quick, quick as possible. <laughs> it,
0: is, it is go, man. It is... Hit the gas pedal and as fast as you can build them is, is what people will take them at. It was kind of why it was this kind of perfect marriage in between what Tricor's business plan was and what my expertise were in at the time is you basically kind of couple this commercial style approach To a residential product, so going from having to build a prototype missile system to going to building a house from a construction standpoint is pretty easy, you know, when you have a knowledge in the industry. But the process by going from start to finish is super complex, and there are so many moving pieces in this. It's you know, it's why it's taken a long time for this to get off the ground. Is because you got to figure out not only the construction, but also what is the product type, what goes in the product type, how do you get it financed, how do you find the land. And that fits it. How many units can go on there? Do you got to rezone it? Do you not? It's a long journey to try to manage that is quite a task, but you know we're, we're getting there.
1: Yeah. So you, you mentioned something there. It's about the process, right? And over the last few years, when you've kind of evolved this offering through Tricor, it's become much more of a turnkey offering. And now you're involved in everything from underwriting through construction to the handover to the client. And I'm sure there's a lot of lessons you can share with us in there. <laughs> um you know, w- without without mentioning names, maybe we can get into a couple of, you know, what are, you know, what are some of the obstacles, the biggest obstacles you face when you're looking at that process with a client? Um, and I know that it's going to vary by geography and project, but maybe if there's a couple of things that just consistently come up that you can share with us, you know, how you, you and your team overcome them.
0: Yeah, I'd say number one is education, understanding this as a whole, and it's not only clients, but it's also everyone else, right? Understanding it from a municipality standpoint understanding it from a design standpoint, understanding it from a subcontractor basis. You know, all these pieces need to be educated on this approach because you're taking historically what has always been this for sale model and kind of putting a whole new layer of complexity and use over the top of it. And so in that, everything changes. Municipalities now start saying, well, you're actually... Multifamily, and it's like, no, 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 no. The way it's platted, the way the utilities are hooked up, you know, everything about it's got its own address. Everything about that is the exact same. It just is we're changing who owns this and who lives in it. And so instead of it being 150 customers, it's one customer, but it's still the same exact process. And that's sometimes hard to understand. Same thing with designers, right? They, you know, they've had this model of saying, once again, look at the bells and whistles of this and the focus on that and 10 different elevations. Well, that changes as well. All of a sudden it's, well, how do you appease the city and what they're needing, but also completely streamline and value engineer the product? Because ultimately what you have to do is get these things to a very solid cost basis to be able to achieve the rents that you're trying to do. And then the subs, right? There's no variability in the schedule. You know, there isn't three houses in August and then 25 houses in July. And you have to adapt to that It's consistency, which means now it's can you bring one crew on site and they stay there forever, much like a commercial site? Or do you try to jam it into the exact same process that you've always had of, you know, Monday, it's this crew and then Tuesday, it's that crew and Thursday, it's that crew. And once again, having all those inefficiencies in the process, we can actually identify and show them how, guys, you can maximize your margins and your crew availability Like you've never had before, Um, and it's just getting them buying into that, which that's all that stuff takes time.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. You know, it goes back to something you and I discussed. You know, prior to this conversation, you know, kind of this round peg in a square hole. I mean, it's an evolving process, and it's not going to be one or the other. It's somewhere in the middle. We're gonna we're gonna meet on as we write the book for what this asset class is and how to deliver on it in in an optimal manner. Right, hundred percent. Let's talk about some of the opportunity that exists here. So, obviously, operating at this scale, and I know this is something that's near and dear to your heart, you get you get the chance to kind of experiment a bit, right? And and deploy some really interesting technologies, both from a process perspective and then overall constructability side of things. So, tell us a little bit about what you've worked with, what you're most excited about there.
0: You know, kind of what I was just explaining, all of that lends to you know a different approach. It's completely different <laughs> in every way possible. So, you know, opening that door to a different process means that, okay, can we also work with different products? And, and what does that look like at scale? And so the construction industry and, and residential construction specifically has always been stuck in its ways. I mean, people have talked about it for decades of, you know, how it's just is so reluctant to change and it's something that's come about now really big in the last 5 years is as you start seeing labor pools just diminishing like crazy and commodity pricing skyrocketing and being super volatile because we haven't changed that's only going to get worse. There is no magical forest out there growing, you know, super rejuvenating wood for all of us that's got, you know, all the strength that it did 20 years ago. I don't know how many, you know, 18-year-olds you're talking to these days that are jumping into the trades right now that first thought is in what college am I going to? It's just a compounding factor. And so when you look at that, you can start saying, okay, we have an ability to change what we're doing. So how do we do that? And so we've tried to tackle the first thing that stood out to us and that's, you know, the structure of the house. So, you know, wood framing has always had issues. I mean, we've we build houses with dead trees, you know that water likes to attach to, and mold and insects like to eat, and it's warping and it's twisting and it's binding, and it's you know just got all these issues. But we continue to use it because it's what's always been done. We looked at that first, and we said, okay, can we can we swap that out for something better? So we're working with some manufacturing companies here in, in Phoenix that got that have a, some great products. Some manufacturers in Texas that that have some new systems that are coming out. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting pretty close to being able to, to swap out the entire house from wood to just better materials. And that opens up the doors now to, you know, different labor pools uh, that maybe don't have to be as sophisticated as a framer. You know, you don't need 20 years experience and layout and understanding headers and cripples and king studs and all these pieces. Right. It's just can you count from one to 20 and can you use a screw gun and stand up things straight? That opens up the doors to people that have never had experience in this, but now can get involved and be and kind of satisfy that labor pool. And then it talks to the systems, right? Now, now we're dealing with products that are are super energy efficient. I mean, it's thermal envelopes that are you know R thirty plus as a total building envelope, you know, opens up, can I look at my HVAC different now? Can I look at tankless water heaters in a different way? Can I look at insulation in a different manner? Can my windows look different? Does solar open up completely now because I don't need as much energy, but I can store it and I can sell it. You know, this compounding factor that happens in terms of looking at the biggest component and tackling it, which is not easy by any means. But if you can get there and figure it out and put the time into it, you can kind of open up the industry to it and say, hey, listen, we're we're open to sharing our ideas and how we're doing this because the more people that buy into it, the bigger it gets, the better it gets, the better the price gets. And all of a sudden we start making the shift towards you know actually making alternative building practices a, a feasible and, and financial
1: viable kind of method. Right. Yeah, we've we've proven out that the demand is there for the product, right? And so now, if we can create the supply, the ecosystem required to develop and and deliver the right solution set, to your point, if you know, so and nationally to do this, we can all be a lot better off. Right. Uh, and it's certainly going to take more than one or even a handful of organizations to deliver <laughs> on the demand that's out there, right? This is a tsunami that uh, we'll have to ride together. So, in in talking about this, you know, you mentioned some of these new technologies and and materials you're working with in in different markets. I have to imagine that you're building long-term partnerships with developers, private equity firms, REITs that are allowing you to experiment a little bit more and allowing you to take risks. Is that, are you seeing that from them that they're as you bring these ideas to them they're a little bit more well received now than they may have been in the past with your track record and also just because, you know, your vision for where the industry can move towards?
0: Yeah, I think definitely in the last couple of years, you know, when we first started this out, lumber did some crazy spike, right? It was up 60%. And this is like back in 2017, 2018, something like that. And so a lot of people said, okay, whoa, we need to look at something different. And so, you know, we kind of really hit the marketing stream with it at that point in time. I guess where we're at today, lumber is up 80%. OSB sheets are up one, like 135%, something like that. So we're in the same environment, and it happened inside of a 24-month period. Once again, this isn't going to change, right? We just had skyrocketing demand, the largest year-over-year growth for for for-sale product since 2005, and we're doing it with half the people and commodities that are sitting in 20% tariffs, and we can't get it at the price that we needed. And so I think everyone is going to start to say, okay, you know, enough is enough finally. And that's why you're starting to see home builders buying up some of these panelized manufacturing plants acceptance to saying, I'd pay a little bit more, you know, for, for a more efficient and more safe play when it comes to construction, because, you know, I can't predict as a contractor what lumber is going to do in eight months from now. So I'm going to say that, Hey, if that there's an increase on that, you know, Hey, investor, that's that's on you because I don't have the crystal ball because if I did I'd probably be hanging out in a boat right now <laughs> you know doing nothing so we've seen people becoming a lot more accepted acceptable to it and at the same time the manufacturing companies are starting to really finally hit their scale and their investors are starting to see that it's wow this is an opportunity here to capitalize on this type of stuff so let's get to the negotiating table with our raw manufacturing goods and and start hitting this hard and getting those products out there and, and starting to see that perfect curve that you're looking for in terms of where are we at in conventional construction and and where are we trying to get to with alternative building products and that gap is narrowing every single year that goes by and i think for that you're going to start seeing more people shift to it and and then you look at build the rent right where it's one owner you know kind of back to that that statement i made before is I got 150 houses that I own. Go down in Florida right now and ask me how many communities are under litigation right now because of stucco leaks. And now you're one owner with, let's say, a 1,500-house portfolio with the same inherent issues that the industry has always faced. And so from our standpoint, like I would take paying more money for a product all day long, knowing that 15 years on the line, it's... Holding up as if it was built yesterday, you know, and, and my tenants are happy and all my CapEx expenses went down significantly because I didn't have to didn't have to worry about the typical issues that you have on just the conventional build that we go by now. So you have this commodity-driven market that's just forever getting more volatile by the year. You have manufacturers that are starting to get really competitive and there's more and more of them every single day. Um, and they're getting to scale finally. You have a platform that can have the ability for them to kind of capitalize on low variability inside of floor plans, you know, reduce elevations. You can kind of get that, that true production style, which means they can scale up quickly and and deliver a product at a cheaper cost as well to an owner that needs a better product because it's way more exposure for them down the road, having a house that could leak, could warp and and not could, it, it will, it just is when versus something that, you know, will kind of stand the test of time.
1: Uh, so this is interesting. so th- this segment can have or this this asset class can have a lot of implications for us over the next five to ten years, right Not not only just as in an in industry as it comes to delivering single family detached homes, right That in itself, the impact of, the, as you mentioned, what it could do for creating a more diverse labor pool what it could do for introducing new building technologies and finally helping to accelerate adoption of some of these things, you know, with the one owner mentality, as you were saying, and you have a handful of them that are willing to take some of these, you know, these leaps because it's their portfolio. They're going to have to own and operate for a number of years. And also what it does, you know, for society. So it gives us, you know, as homeowners access or or as occupants access to a better quality product in a school or a community that we're trying to get into at a price that's attainable. So accessibility is there, but then also the empowerment and job creation piece. So there's, there's a lot that goes into this that can have far reaching implications. I'm kind of curious, you, you mentioned your crystal ball earlier. Um, what's going to happen in our industry over the next five to 10 years? What kind of positive momentum do we take out of this? And, and or what would you like to see?
0: Uh, You know, I think it's going to play across the whole board. You know, I think you're going to see developers become this more of an acceptable product type that it's going to become a, every community will have some sort of rental component to it. You know, master plans are going to shift in the way that they look at their land and how they use that land and who they're trying to attract. That's happening now. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger as that goes in terms of demographics, like there's going to be more renters, right? I mean, we keep having these super volatile economic hits as well that are just financially ruining for people. And let's say 75% of the population is okay and makes it through it. Well, there's 25% that just got smoked, you know, and how long does it take them to recover in an environment that is ever increasing in terms of cost of living? So the rental market will continue to, to just expand and grow. And then it kind of translates. Do you have the product, enough product to satisfy the demand to keep it obtainable? And we can only do that through looking at different strategies of how we build products and how quickly we can get them to market. You know, if if it's six months right now to get a house to the market, that takes a long time to deliver product. Can we cut it in half? Can we do it in a quarter of the time all of a sudden because we're, we're dealing with better products that eliminate steps of, of the game and reduce kind of all those different pieces that need to come to come together. You know, when I look at a house, it's forty contracts of subcontractor labor to put it together. About a fragmented process in terms of getting from start to finish and the handoffs associated with that from trade to trade. You know, like, of course, there's going to be issues. It's just, it's the old, you know, I whisper one message in your ear, and what does it look like when you pass it on to 75 people? It's, you know, completely distorted from what it originally started as. So, I think alternative building practices are going to completely take off. Technology is getting better, getting more efficient. There's more and more players every single day. And, and all of the private equity and, and capital markets groups right now are saying, you know, reduce carbon footprint, right? I was at a John Burns conference last year and one of the, uh, the CEO of Brookfield, you know, who's pretty much the largest real estate company in the world was saying that the capital of the world right now is basically making a mandate to say that you have to reduce your carbon footprint, which, you know, that's never been done before. How does that money trickle down? Into all these groups that are trying to tackle that, the exposure to the, the capital market side for alternative building groups, I think, is gonna is gonna completely explode as well. And you know, for TriCor, our goal is to pretty much capitalize across that whole idea. Right? Is you know, when you can kind of become a turnkey operation that starts at the point of looking at raw land all the way through the end product and the handoff of that. You know, we're excited because once again. It's in our blood right now to look at things in a different way from day one. Whether it's the use of the land, how we approach municipalities. Right now, we have a whole virtual open house that's going to be happening for a rezoning case. You know, and you step into it, and it looks like it's a conference room, and there's boards set up and everything, and you're clicking on stuff, and you're getting all the information, and you're doing it from your own house. You know, looking at how to leverage that technology, and then it's you know, in the actual construction side. You know, my goal at least for this company is that we're getting as close to net zero scaled developments, you know, inside the next five years. So using the end product as a way to harness energy to ultimately say that, you know, a community from an energy standpoint can be self-sufficient, if not only a revenue source as being able to generate back into the grid and, and communities become mini grids. That's kind of, you know, if I had, if I had a, a crystal ball and everything worked my way, that would be where we got to is that type of feat i think it's
1: totally possible look mitch this has been fantastic really appreciate you taking the time to kind of share your thoughts and, and your experience with us uh, what you and uh at tricor are doing is fantastic i can see why you're such a popular guy all over the build <laughs> and, uh, arena right now and yeah we'll, we'll circle back and and see how things are progressing but That's again it. really appreciate you sharing your story with our audience and uh proud to have you as part of our community
0: no you guys are um one of the few groups out there that really push for innovation and change and give people a platform to get their voice heard. And so, uh, you know, kudos to you guys for staying on top of your game and, and trying to bring groups together to really match up. So I know even through your guys' network, I've met some terrific groups out there that are really trying to change things as well. And so uh, you don't do that without something like this to kind of bring the community together. So it's it's uh, it's fantastic and much appreciated. Proud to have you. All right, man. All right, take care. Bye take All right, bye-bye. On behalf of the Housing Innovation Alliance and the University of Denver, this is Dr. Eric Holt. Thank you for being part of our journey. This is where innovation calls home.